As promised, I am thrilled to announce that our tickets for Australian True Crime Live are now available. Join me in Sydney, Brisbane and or Melbourne this July. You can come to all three if you want. These tickets are expected to go very quickly, so be sure to secure yours by visiting the link in our podcast bio or you can head over to the Australian True Crime Facebook page. There'll be a nice link there for you. Update for Brisbane Australian True Crime fans. Brisbane is almost fully sold out for our live show. If you've been a listener for any length of time, you'll know how passionate I am about true crime stories from Australia. I'm looking very forward to an incredible evening together with you, sharing these captivating tales. We will have great guests as well, so, you know, we love a Q&A. If you've ever come along to an Australian true crime live gig, you'll know we love a Q&A with our guests. Don't miss out. Book your tickets today, and I'll see you in July for a memorable night out. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If. Only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Please be advised this podcast contains content of a graphic, violent nature. It's not appropriate for children. Before we start this week's episode, which is a pretty emotional one, actually, I need to give a shout out to some of our wonderful patrons. Alexa Munoz Aquino, that is a beautiful name. Alexa, Gabby Ma, Megan Anderson, Scott Woolger, Tina Georgitsis, Georgitsis, beautiful name, Tara Hodges, Kat Young, Elizabeth Mason, Stuart Jones, Heidi Butcher, Catherine Harris, Helen Carr, Karen Walker, Julie Welsh, Beck Lay, MJ, no, sorry, Cassie MJ, Cassie MJ, Hannah Rivett, Cassandra Henderson, Beth Borsey, Kelly Nealon, Kitty Hughes. Oh, no, actually, that's a post from you, Kitty, isn't it? Yes, and I do remember what that's about, and I will get back to you about that. Thank you to everybody who has uh, signed up on our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash Pod, A-U-S-T, True Crime Pod, and that's where you can go and sign up to be a patron. We have lots of stuff going on there. We have conversations about stuff, questions. We can ask you sort of, you know, what you're into, what you like more of and less of. We're going to try and get a live chat, ask us anything thing going with uh, with Narelle because we know everyone wants more of Narelle. That's what everyone's answer is to what do you want more of, which is awesome. And also we have some free tickets. We've got a ticket giveaway coming up to see the serial killer whisperer herself, Amanda Howard, live. Those tickets will be going out to our patrons. So please come along and get involved. Patreon.com forward slash Ost true crime pod. 
pretty soon we'll have uh, uh, an update with our lovely friend Greg. I emailed him. I said, Greg, can you please come and give us an update so women will stop stopping me in the street and asking me if you're okay? He was our man we spoke to recently who'd just uh, been released from prison. And we've had such a lovely response to him, and he's stoked to know that everyone wants to know if he's okay. So uh, he'll be back shortly with an update just for patrons. So that's a good reason to sign up. Okay, let's get on with this week's show. And then, then Sunday was sort of like fairly normal, and we sort of came home, and then uh, you know watched um, Idol on TV, and um, then um, um, I fell asleep in the lounge, you know, watching sort of TV, and woke up a little while later, and he wasn't home, so I sent him a text and said, you know, where are you, whatever. And I didn't really worry about it too much because he doesn't work on Mondays. Yeah. And he's got a, you know, a group of friends that he you know, go, goes out with. Mm-hmm. What happened on Sunday? Which one did you wake up? That's 44-year-old Michael Atkins lying to police at Miranda Station in Sydney on the 27th of September 2007. His Sunday hadn't been in any way normal. He hadn't watched Idol with his 20-year-old boyfriend Matthew the previous Sunday night because by the time that week's episode of Australian Idol had started, Matthew Leveson was dead and Atkins knew it. Um, I think just had some juice. And, um... Did Matthew eat? No. And then what happened? Um, we just sort of spent, like, a lazy day, so... It sat around the unit and... Did you leave the unit in? Um, I think once or twice. This is Australian True Crime with Michelle Laurie and Emily Webb. Come with us as we go beyond the news cycle to find out how people become killers, how people become victims and what happens next. So from the time you went to sleep at five to the time you wake up at two, um, obviously you were in the unit the whole time? Yeah. And Matthew? Yeah, I assume so. To your knowledge? To my knowledge. He didn't leave? Yeah. And was it the first time you left the unit about 5 o'clock? Yeah, I think on so. Sunday? To go for a walk down the block? Yep. Did you buy anything? Mm, don't think so. Don't think so. Oh, um, Matthew's friends and family had no idea he was even missing for several days after his last visit to Sydney's Ark nightclub. In fact, his brother was partying with him on that fateful night and noticed nothing out of the ordinary when they last bumped into each other on the stairs in the early hours. It would take years for the details of Matt's final moments to unravel, although the full truth will likely never be known, because Atkins is not only free, but he's unencumbered by any conviction related to Matt's death. Matt's parents are Faye and Mark Leveson, and their story is about as horrifying as it gets. Their beautiful son is just 20 years old when he disappears with a controlling, secretive older man into a world they don't understand, and he never returns. They spend the following decade fighting through a justice system that for some reason treats them like adversaries. And when they're not dealing with callous coppers and terrifying lawyers... They're searching bushland, literally with their bare hands, for their son's remains. And sometimes having to fend off so-called helpers with agendas of their own. After you hear this story, you have to wonder how anyone could survive it. And yet, here they are. That's the kind of people Faye and Mark Leveson are. And no doubt, it's the kind of person their son Matthew would have grown to be. So we started off by talking about him as he was, as a little boy, their little Matthew. Oh, he was a little vibrant, little little devil. He was, he... Little princess. Little princess. <laughs> <laughs> we knew he was gay before he came out of this. Yeah. Yeah. I was, it, it, was, it wasn't a shock. Yeah, I, I mean, shock. he wasn't 
overtly, but yes. the way he used to run and he like he'd like to be hanging around with the girls and do he is we knew we knew yeah. he was gay and I mean he was a little devil he was um like he liked experimenting with things he'd um mix I remember one day he was about five he mixed up water and perfume and dishwashing liquid yes in a jar yeah and I was Bloody, and I was cleaning and I thought. Where's Matt? He's gone quiet. Potions, my kids call it. Yeah, potions, yes. yep, yep. Anyway, I walked out to the billiard room and he's got this extension lead plugged on, <laughs> plugged in and turned on. He's got a toothbrush and he's putting it across the prongs and it's arcing. Oh, my God. He burnt. He burnt. <laughs> Thank God we had a clips switch, but it never it never tripped the prick uh, the clips switch. And he's having the fun of what the devil? Oh, I'm just experimenting, Mum. Well, when did he come out? When did he know he was gay? Well, I think he's known for a long time. Yeah. And he had a girlfriend in year ten, who we call our daughter now. Yeah. She, she was, she's, they broke up bitterly for about a week, and they're just soulmates. And now they're, they're after yeah. that, they're best of friends. Yeah. That and um, when. Um, he went to when they had their HSC the day before it was due to begin. He tied up his room and he gone to his partner's place, his boy, his then boyfriend's place. Before Atkins, and who was a beautiful guy, mm. a really really lovely guy. And then he texts me, "Mum, I've left a note on my desk." My heart sank. I thought, "Oh my god, he's been so good." I didn't think the pressure was getting. He's gone. The top himself. That's my first reaction. Yeah. And anyway, I read it, and it's this lengthy letter. And Matt was never very good at English, and I think his partner had helped him write it because it was yeah. so. It was it was beautiful. It was absolutely beautiful. From the heart. It was, was it was Matt's words, but it was refined a little. <laughs> and anyway, um, yeah, basically, mum, dad, I'm gay. Was that all? That's all it is. Yeah, thank, thank you for sending. Yes. Yeah, thank you for sending me to the school. I've got really lovely friends. They've supported me. They've known, but I feel I've got to get this off my chest before I can do the HSC. So I just rang them and get your butt home. Doesn't oh, yeah. care. Doesn't right. doesn't matter. Right. We go you know, it doesn't change a thing. Yeah. It doesn't change who they are. If they had, you know, if they were a bad person inside, they'd still be. If they were a beautiful person, which we're biased, yes, Matty was. He was a vibrant young man. Um, it didn't change him. Yeah. He was still our son. We still loved him just as much. But my main concern was that the homophobes out there yes. would pick on him. And I always said to him every time he went out, Matt, I'm scared. I'm going to find you dead in a gutter. So when, when do you think he started partying, in inverted commas? Well, I think it was when he um, – we didn't know that he'd been speaking to Atkins because online – and and it wasn't only it wasn't until the inquest the first lot of police didn't find this conversation between Atkins and Maddie. So he'd been grooming him online about drugs. So was Maddie still with this lovely boyfriend when they we first think, started communicating? I think so, and I think that's, that's what yeah. broke them up. I don't know. I, we, he never spoke to spoke to us why he, he broke up with um, his. And his boyfriend hasn't. Spoken to you about no, and no, I wouldn't ask them. That's okay. that that that's personal. That's between them, okay. you know. And yeah. to me, that that's very very personal. Okay. And so yeah, because um, we'd brought them all up anti drugs, and they were. Now we know a lot more. I mean, God, oh. through the trial and through everything, we've learnt so much that we were oblivious to. And people, I don't condone the drug taking by any means, but it seems to be like in that scene, and it's even with the young, it's, it's like a, um, a rite of passage. And unfortunately, Maddie didn't make it out the other side, but that wasn't because of the drugs. That was because of a, a monster, an it. Um, all the others, they've come out the other side and beautiful, beautiful people. I mean, Matt's friends have stayed stayed by us. They, they've had to air their dirty laundry and, you know, my heart breaks for them. Matt's because friends, their loyalty is unbelievable. What yeah. they've gone through on behalf of Matt and how they're stuck by, by Matt and us uh, will never, ever forget. And thanks would never, ever be enough. Oh. And, I mean, I, we had one gay son. We've got about ten now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So talk to me about the grooming. How, how was that? Was that at the Facebook or something like that? No, that was through, I think it was MS, 
in Messin. This is pre-Facebook. Um, oh, okay. Wow. Was it on was it he, MySpace? He, or? he hook, hooked up with him on Manhunt or something. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, yeah. okay. So I don't know whether it was oh, messaging. Yeah. But in, in, at the inquest, there was all these questions and he goes, oh, I'm a drug virgin with Maddie. And because he, he said, well, what does this do? And Atkins is actually telling him what different drugs do. Yeah. So that wasn't in, in the trial. That that was never found. It was, so Maddie's a beautiful young gay guy and Atkins is an older gay guy and he's mm-hmm. hunting the internet for young hot yeah. gay guys. We call him a sexual predator. So eventually after the online um, chat, they end up going out together. Matt breaks up with his lovely boyfriend yeah. and ends up in a relationship yeah. with this guy. See, what, what had happened to 12 months prior, uh, previous in the August, Maddie did go missing. Overnight. Overnight. He And we didn't know his friends. He'd been out with his friends. They'd been to Ark. We didn't know he'd been to Ark until that day uh, when he, he didn't come home. And work had ring, rang me up early in the morning. Matt hasn't turned up for his shift. And, and he we loved thought, his job. He loved his job and he was always the go-to person. If somebody didn't turn up from the shift because we didn't live what, what, far from where he worked, his bag turned up on our front doorstep and we did the ring around trying to find Matt. And then Rachel was ringing around and one of his mates said, oh, we saw him at ARC. He was meeting a Michael, a Mike, and nobody knew his last name. Anyway, so the police, they hunted around. And we, they finally found, they said, oh, we worked at the Sus Club. So they rang the Sus Club and they um, subcontracted out to the security company. The Sus Club is the Sutherland United Services Club, which has changed its name in Sutherland. He was a guard there. Who was? Mike Atkins. He was a bouncer. Right. So anyway, um, they finally got on this contracting company who weren't going to give them the name and then the police pressured them and they gave Michael Atkins' name. Two, two o'clock in the morning, they got a... A uh, phone call from Maddie, really angry. Why'd you ring the police? They want me to go down to the station. I said, I said, I'm not going. I said, Matt, you were missing. Nobody knew where you were. I said, we thought no, something had, Oh, no, I'm at things. I'm, I'm at Emma's place. I said, well, why didn't you ring? Oh, they're, renova- uh, they're re- doing renovations and there's no um, no phone line. Yeah, right. right. And his phone's flat. And his phone's flat. And I, and I said, you've got to go to the police. No, I'm not going. I said, well, if you don't go to the police station, I said, you're still a missing person. Anyway, that apparently caused a bit of angst between them and he, he ended up because the police told us if he went to the police station, uh, he, they didn't have to tell us where he was, just that he was safe, which they did. And Matt didn't come home after that. He, he phoned us about uh, a day later to say he was staying in a friend's place. And that was Atkins? And that was Atkins. He never told us it was Atkins um, for, for a while. He said he's moving in with a friend, but this wasn't the friend's place he was with while that night, and it turned out when I went to trial, it was. So he never, ever apologised to you and told you what happened that night? No, and he also said when Maddie first went missing, when I went to trial, that Matt had gone missing before and we didn't know. We'd reported him to the police as a missing person. Mm. So he used that as a as an yeah. as, a, as an out. Um, in, his, in his alibis and said, "Well, Matt could have gone off somewhere else." That was what he was trying to argue in the trial. So, how did you feel at that that first time? I mean, that even to oh, me feels out of character. It was. It was totally out of character, mm-hmm. and we thought, "Oh my God, something has." And the police, you know, they were really they were concerned. They, they, they were concerned. And when he popped up, I mean, what was your reaction? <laughs> oh, well, was we were angry. Well, you're angry. Yeah, and, 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 yeah, and, yeah, and, all, and also too, yeah. I think Matt was very embarrassed about it because he'd phone us. That he wouldn't he wouldn't come home and he'd come home and get some stuff while we're not home. And then about after a month I went to um went, met up with him uh, for lunch and thought everything was smoothed over, but he never told us he was living with a guy at first. And then later down track he told us and then when we first met Atkins didn't like him. And they'd come over for dinner and as soon as dinner was over he said, Come on Matt, we're going, I've got to go to work tomorrow. And you could tell Matt didn't want to go. And we said, no, no, Matt's... He said, no, Matt's coming. We've we, we got to do something. Okay, Matt had go. And this month's down track, I put my, sort of put my foot down. I was, Maddie was having a good time, and you could tell he didn't want to go. And I just said, no, you go. I said, I'll take Maddie home. And there was a bit of toying and throwing, and Matt ended up staying. 
Matt didn't want to go home that night. We took him home. What was very, it? Very, very late. Very yeah, late. He was staying tall. And when we dropped him off, we'd never got invited into the unit, not once in that 12 months. And he kept saying to me, oh, you'll have to come over, Mum and Dad, and have a coffee. You'll have to come over. Rachel uh, went over to see him once. And Rachel's Ad- the best friend? Yeah. 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 Uh, once, and Atkins got really shitty about it. So uh, Rachel had to see him when Atkins wasn't around. And, you know, he just systematically cut him off from all his family and, and old friends. Yeah. And, like, we didn't know the group of friends he was hanging out with at ARC. Imagine that. He's a legal adult at that stage. Yeah. And if we had said, Matt, you can't see this bloke anymore, he'd have said, Mum, Dad, get nicked. It would have made things worse. I, for years I beat myself over that. Oh, no. God. Oh, no, I used to sit down and cry my eyes out. I said, I should have gone huh? I should have gone over to that unit and just pulled him back. You know, and people say, no, yeah, that would have worked. No, you would have lost back. it. Yeah. Would have stopped talking. Yeah. 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 So I'm damned if you do, damned if you don't. Yeah. But we never thought of it then like this. No. No, it's just um, you, can't, you can't foresee that. Mm. Yeah. So um, the that, next thing you know, you get the phone call from work. We didn't know he was missing until the Tuesday. Right. Because Matt worked Tuesday to Saturday. It was his working week. And um, he wasn't living at home, so we didn't know he wasn't, wasn't, was missing until his work called our, our home on the Tuesday to say, why isn't he at work? And they rang twice now. Younger son was home sick, so if I rang to see how he was, he's mentioned in passing Matt's work's called. We rang Atkins and and, uh, and said, you know, where's Matt? He said, oh, we have a bit of a tiff and he hasn't come home. I had to get Atkins' number from Pete, our son, and then Peter arranged with him. He was going to get off work early, Peter, and so was Atkins, and they were going to meet him up at Darlinghurst and go looking for him. At the last minute, Atkins pulled out. He never once helped look for Matt. It wasn't until Tuesday evening that all friends were starting to get back to us and no one seen Matt. Mm. And then I rang Atkins and said, listen, we're going to go to the police station reporting missing. You're the last person to see him. And he was reluctant to go. I said, you're the last person. You make sure you're there. And he we became the police time. station. And we went to the counter at Southern Police Station and the, the constable asked us our name, date of birth and address. And... and um, Atkins, he asked Atkins after us, and Atkins had a bit of paper, and it slid across the counter. That stuff already pre-printed on it for the policeman. Now, I wear glasses, but I can see a bit you know, more distant things, and I clearly saw the 6th of 4th, 63, which was his birthday. And at that stage, he was 44, and that was only 20. And he was telling all the young boys, he was you know, early 30s. 34, they, they thought he was 34. Yeah. Though he'd never let Matt see, apparently never let Matt see his driver's licence mm. or anything, so... Atkins never once helped look for Matt. He went back to his unit and just sat there and stayed there. And, um, yeah, so he never once helped. He didn't put up any posters. And the funny thing about it was in the street where they were living in Tonkin Street, I used to mark, we put up posters all along that street outside his unit. We had a memorial, um, memorial, um, or pictures of Maddie and flowers and where where are you sort of thing. Except for that one, all the others along the street were ripped down. We'd go back, they'd rip down about two days later, we'd put them back up, go back. Wow. So you tell me how they were, why, why just outside there. Yeah. And um, another time when we first started doing that, there was police down at Cronulla. There was about six of them mm. outside a known nightclub-y thing down there. And... We tried to get their attention and Mark just said, excuse me, and they ignored us. Mark said, excuse me, a bit loud, ignored us. Nothing. And so he yelled, excuse, excuse me. me. Who's in charge here? And, oh, 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 I am. And we said, oh, we just want to let you know that we're putting these posters up around Cronulla and our son's missing. And uh, I can't think of his name now. The the guy that was in charge looked at it. He said, folded it up, stuck it in his pocket. And he said, oh, you pro- probably like that other guy that went missing down here. They found him in, the de- in between two buildings. So compassionate, aren't they, some of them? Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. The police said that to you? The, the police yeah. said that to me, yeah. Oh, my God. Mm. Yeah. So That's a, you know, good and bad. We've seen both extremes in the police force for the whole investigation. <sighs> Back to the, what, the Wednesday now, yeah. we... We dealt with the police of Sutherland, detectives of Sutherland Police Station on the Wednesday by phone. And then on the Thursday afternoon, the the investigation was transferred to Miranda, Oakley Command, a new police station and a bigger police station. And uh, um, they 
after coming from interview at two o'clock. So we're there at two o'clock uh, until about seven. Seven. It's a long while. And we'd, unbeknownst to us, they had Atkins. In another room. In another room waiting. About then. Yeah. About then. Because what had happened was when the interview was near concluding, uh, they said, we can tell you now, we couldn't before it's okay to influence what you were going to say. Uh, we found Matt's car. Which oh. we didn't know at that stage. Because uh, it was, was, it was located uh, at a park in Sutherland this or this morning on the Thursday morning. Yeah. Um, there was no signs of blood or a struggle. Just Matt's car was parked, locked up like a snare car normally in, in in a park. And uh, any reason why we're there? And we again we said we have no no idea at all. Um, but what had transpired? Well, that's just going with us first of all. Then on the the next day on the Friday, they said we're going to involve homicide. We're not saying anything about it's happened yet, but we just we'll get a better investigation with the homicide involved. My stomach, my stomach just sunk then, and I mm. he's not my son, and I know how the story ends. How mm. did? How did you react? No, that was the, the Friday. Yeah. And on the Saturday, uh, the homicide detective we, we met on the Friday and and, and ran detectives were at our front door on the Saturday morning and they said, we've got to tell you, we're, we're no longer looking for Matt, looking, looking for a body. Oh, we, my God. We connected it with our client. When and, they said that on your front doorstep? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Right, the whole flight up and it was... Yeah. Uh, it was um, so they came in and we had a longer chat, but that's how it all, all started. When they found Matt's car, this was the, the, the breakthrough. In the back of Matt's, when he's booted the car, was a receipt from Bunnings containing a thumbprint. Mm. And uh, the back of the car was cleaned out. And uh, uh, so they went to Bunnings uh, straight away when they found the car and looked at the CCTV footage from Bunnings. It was very high quality. Uh, they show Atkins arriving at, I think it was 12.04 yeah, on was Sunday. Yeah, the, the uh, clock was handed, And leaving about 10 minutes later with a mannequin cloth tape. 12.04 on Sunday afternoon. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, yes. And um, so from that, they, they asked Atkins to come down to the police station on the Thursday afternoon. And he said, look, I'm working at... At Glen Denning, uh, out near Penrith. I'll be a while, but they said, I'll, I'll come there. They said, that's fine. As long as you, you come straight here, that's fine. Atkins didn't know. Police were already outside his workplace in an undercover car. North and he's working at North Bend, not Glen Denning. So it was, this is his first light. Another lovely light. Um, and they watched him follow him back to, uh, rather than going straight to the police station, he went straight to his unit at Grenada. And there's police at the unit waiting for him. When he saw the police there and police get out of the car behind him, they say he was collapsed on the ground. That helped him to the ground. Why did he hide his phone? Whose phone did he hide? Matt's in his own car, in Atkins' own car, under under the yeah. carpet. Yeah. And he's, he, he'd been checking it when us had been, Mark and I and his friends, had, he'd been checking the messages. He'd been turning Matty's phone on and off. When so, the police seized Atkins' car... Um, they finished their search and nothing um, untoward in Atkins' car, yet they heard a buzzing sound. I thought, what is that? And they, they couldn't get with an alarm going off. They the car's so they battery. Under the battery terminals and they thought, well, it's still going. And they, what is it? And they started going, hearing the sound and feeling this vibration and there's a vibration under the carpet on the foot, in the foot, well, a passenger side of the car. It went under there and here's Matt's phone. Mm. So Atkins had Matt's phone all week, um, as his face said, checking it and seeing what was going on. And they pinged it going past um, uh, Taran on uh, King George's Road. At Hurstville. So one of the days, he's actually had Matt's car on, Matt's phone on, whilst he's going to to work. So can we go back slightly to what, what actually happened? Now that now you know, all right. What well, actually happened? Saturday night they went to Ark. Yeah, they went to Ark at North. They went to Ark early. They get uh, some sort of a wristband or a stamp, which is because very cheap being in Ark early in the evening. They, go before they will go get the their stamp and then go home to Alexandria and spend some time there with their, with their friends, and have your drinks and chill, and get back to Ark later in the evening when it's a lot dearer. They've already got their stamp so they See, don't pay any more. Peter, our oldest brother, was there. He was at... Eldest at, son. Eldest son, sorry. He was at Alexandria with Maddie. Wow. So they went back and Peter got gone somewhere else and Matt had gone to Ark with Atkins. Um, they're saying that they'd had a fight at um, at Ark because Maddie was, wasn't was with Atkins and Atkins uh, there's text messages going oh sorry baby how many times do I have to say sorry who said that Atkins Peter went and that was still at, at uh, Ark and then there's a clear CCT footage of the, Maddie putting his shirt on yes. leaving Ark 
And Atkins tried to say that he was drug affected, couldn't walk, he was tired, he was falling asleep. He blah, was clearly frustrated quite easily, that no issues at all. And then they yeah. sort of seemed to go different directions. Well, the, the police made the point in the inquest that when they left Ark, it was clear that the two of them didn't look, although they left at the same time, they weren't walking together. And that was well they had Atkins gaining distance, so he, yes. he wasn't getting away from her the way it looked. Yes. And uh, the car was parked in a laneway nearby to Ark, and uh, um, if I'm not mistaken, without the transcripts, I they left Ark at about the first time, just after two AM, yeah. roughly, and um, and then Atkins came back to Ark shortly after to uh, sell drugs to uh, another contact there. And this is clear outside the club. Again, on, on, on the good footage, um, in the inquest that saw the this other this, person this, this take place, and uh, this person's a friend of Atkins and and to Mac to a degree as well. And Atkins sold some drugs to him, and then went back back to the car. About an hour transpires will actually do actually leave the area. And then after they've left the club, left the cars on the way home, um, one of Matt's friends is talking to Matt via SMS. And um, Matt says along the lines of the, the fucking cunts making me go home. He didn't, obviously he didn't want to leave. Yeah. And uh, he's made answered back, oh, look, mate, you'll be okay, it's all right. And uh, a bit later, uh, Matt says, he's got to fucking get over himself. And, no, it's and so nice. uh, a bit later, and then, like that, his, his friend answers, but that message, get out, get, fucking get over himself, is the last message ever sent. After the break, the Leveson family makes it to court, but faces a very intense defence. Coming up on Australian True Crime, the search for Maddie. But first, what did the Levison's life turn into right after that day in the doorway of their home when homicide detectives told them they were no longer looking for Matt but for his body. Next minute, homicide are off the case. The the guy, the crime oh, manager yeah. down at um, Miranda. Miranda wants the case, so he told homicide to... Well, what's the difference between homicide and crime manager? They're more experienced. Homicide are specialised in homicide. Right. Crime managers aren't. It's the local area commander. So what what happens, this this is our understanding. There's a lot of chest posturing going on in the the police force. Mm -hmm. And back then, homicide, when a murder occurs, were brought in to consult on a case. And if the local area command said, no, 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 we can do this, we don't need you, they would come and go and be the left of the local area command. Now, we don't know if it's through Matt's case or other cases or combination of cases, but now if homicide say, we want this case, they get it. We didn't know how poor the investigation was. We never knew who was in charge formally. This new guy came in and he, we believe he came from, from gang crime. And in that area, many of the victims themselves are also criminals. That's how we felt. That's how he treated us. It's the first time that we felt the police force and us were no longer on the same side. Oh, my goodness. It was just horrible. So you're just a lovely family who are dealing suddenly with the the fact that your son is missing and presumed dead. Mm. And you can't... You have this combative relationship with police. That's the start, yeah. And he, he was this... Detective was really horrible. He accused, he said to me that it was Matt Slightstole that had him murdered. Oh my god! Um, the police at the time, because it was just before Matty's twenty-first on his birthday, they took they sent the hat around, and we came home and we found these beautiful flowers on our doorstep with a cart. What a lovely thought. Uh, they were thinking of us and that. And when he found out about that, he said to me, he said, they shouldn't have done that. It was unethical. And now every family that walks through the door, they're going to have to do the same thing. I complained because I was really intimidated. And I said I didn't want him anywhere near us. And we didn't know at the stage that he was heading it because nobody would tell us who was in charge and then um, they said no he's not to be in the room with you that's fine and we get called down there about a week later and he's in the room and I said to the other detective I said he's not to be near me he said, and he wouldn't tell him to leave and then he just he was just bombarding me with questions and everything else and being really really horrible and he wouldn't leave he just wouldn't leave Oh, yeah. it was it wasn't good for quite a while. We complained, complained, and complained bitterly. And eventually, they changed the detectives. Brought in a new lady to who 
who you know, grabbed the investigation by the throat and shook the pieces and, and, and moved on from that and we did a and great job. What so then was that? How much? How oh, long good after? Good question. Now, Atkins was charged. Mm-hmm. Matt was killed September 07. He was Atkins was charged in August, August. 08. So oh, the new detective really came. Yeah, yeah, oh, yes. Yeah. The detective new one came on. It would have been early 08, maybe wow. I'm guessing February, March. March 08, yeah. guessing and what had happened to. <clears throat> excuse me, when Matt had first gone missing, they wouldn't take. I said, oh, Jason saw an incident, between, an incident between Atkins and and Maddie at a 21st two weeks prior where he got he got aggressive with him. He pushed pushed um, Matt and Matt nearly went to the ground. And they said, oh, no, he's too close. close. We don't need a statement from him. They okay. didn't take a statement from Mark. When Simone you, you came... Got, you guys know, so we'll follow what you yeah. say. So when Simone came on the case, I mentioned to her what had happened. She said, oh, they've got a statement from Jason. I said, no, mm-hmm. they haven't. So they she didn't get the sta- statement until a few months before the trial mm. from both Mark and Jason. So when Jason took the stand, now we're talking about a boy who's just lost his son, brother and just turned 18 at the, at the few weeks after that Maddie was murdered, gets on the stand and the defence just ripped him apart, called him a liar, said he was making it up to protect his brother. That that incident at the 21st never happened. Even though another what, a person from uh, Matt's work got on the stand and said that Matt had told her about that and that he'd actually taken Matty out the front of the, the club and either pushed him into a brick wall or a bush. She couldn't remember which one. And Matt was shaken by it. Mm. And the defence just ripped the boys apart. And the imagery of you guys searching for Matt's remains is very powerful. And that whenever I think about your story, that's what comes See, to my what mind. We, what we did, we tried to do it in a scientific way. Because the police, we start off with a, a police timeline. They had a timeline for the, which I got from the, from the police. They done for the first week, mm. from Matt leaving the club to the Friday morning at the end of the week. And I. I, I wanted less than that so I wanted to focus on what I call the disposable timeline so I wanted from leaving the club to when Atkins got to his workplace at Monday morning also Matt was pretty pedantic with his car mm. when you go and get fuel we always reset the odometer so we knew he brought fuel on the Tuesday but not from the credit because the police took so long to get credit card statements we didn't know the time just the date but so we knew we it Tuesday out too that Atkins must have refilled it Potentially too. Because the the kilometres used from the tank, the amount of petrol that was used was wrong. So Mark had to factor that in because I sat in the car and I knew darn well Matt wasn't the last one driving the car because him and I had the same distance from the seat. I was like in a lounge chair just about lined out and my feet were about that short from, very short from the the clutch. And then I saw the um, petrol thing and I thought it hasn't been reset. We were convinced Atkins used Matt's car to go to Bunnings as well, and we put all those in, in and we were left with an amount of unaccounted four kilometres. That was our search radius. Half that was our search radius. And and um, then we had the times when we, Atkins' movements couldn't be accounted for, so we tried to use that to sort of think, what can you do in that time, and where could you go? And that led us to the National Park and, and, and uh, Colonel Peninsula. We also went to the point where we got data from the Bureau of Meteorology so that we knew that the night Atkins exposed to Matt, uh, it was a 7 8 full moon, uh, very low cloud cover, and in the low 20s. So it's a nice night to be out in the bush. And um, a nice bright night too to be out in the bush. So uh, we then went, we went driving ourselves about 2 o'clock in the morning to do reconnaissance at different times. Oh. So we go out and say, well, what can we see at these times? We're looking for basically where you can get a car off the road so it's secreted to a degree and we can penetrate the bush to take a body in there. But I, we think, well, my, my gut feeling is that he went out while well, Matty was dead, laying in the, in the unit, went out and went maybe at the time he got the Matic before that, then down to the National Park because he reckons he didn't, but to fluke where he put Maddie, because if he'd gone so many feet one side or the other, he would have hit rock. Rocks and roots. And to know exactly there that was, that was, was going to be digging south. At this spot, in those conditions, because of the heavy canopy of trees above, you still can't see the ground. Mm. You still can't see it. Now, he claims he had no torch and no help, but to dig with the mattock, you must take sequential swipes at the ground to make progress. Right. And you, if you can't see the ground, you can't do it. So, again, he's lied about either being alone or using a torch because it's not, it's not possible. 
it's not possible by yourself, mm-hmm. I don't think. I think this he's had help, whether that's right or wrong, I don't know. Either that or he's had a torch and he's had a, had, had a shovel as well, though he only reckons he had the mm. matic. There's so this no is a question unanswered. Yeah, Atkins went to Bunnings to buy a matic and cloth tape. Mm. Why? Mm. Why? Why did he buy a shovel? Yeah. Why, why not a matic and shovel? A rake? And why did he buy only a matic? Mm. And it's unanswered. Um, you can speculate. Did he know where he was going and knew what he needed to dig that spot? Was it just, was it just again, random luck? We don't know. What has he said in the end? Where where are Not we at much. and how have we gotten there? So we went to trial in August of 08? Yep. Yes, August of 08. What happened? Six-week trial. Okay. Um, oh. Matt, Maddie was overseas to pay back Atkins to teach him a lesson. He's, he started up another little business. Is that what he reckoned? This is what he's... See, Matt see, Atkins never took the stand. This is all through the defence. What happened back in the trial, the defence counsel, there was no defence case at all. Uh, all the defence did was try and... Speculate and create confusion with the prosecution case. So, they, so that was his their defence was that he's not even dead. That's, that's right. Right. Mm-hmm. one of the things that's wrong. He, might, he uh-huh. almost said that he was taken up by the aliens. He didn't say that, but it was almost yeah, it like that. that far. It could have gone that far. So, um, yeah, and, and uh, his defence... Defence counsel. We were told by the by the um, support staff, the DPP, by the police, by uh, many people around the court. That look, you're the victims of, of, of the deceased, so there's no way not they'll attack you. you because you're yeah you, you've already gone through enough trauma. That's just not just not not ethical, not not good form. Wrong. Well, this arsehole ripped into us or tried to. The defence counsel. Well, yes. You bet. Really? Miserable piece of shit this bloke was, yeah. He yeah. told me that Maddie was born on the 12th of October. I said, no, Maddie was born on the 12th of December. No, 12th of October. No, what? 12th of December. And then he goes, oh, well, there must be a typo. You didn't know your son. He'd lived a double life. Oh, my God. You know, I, and I said his eyes were blue, bluey green, depending on what he wore, which they were. Yeah, why not? Depending yeah. on what I wear. Yeah, 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 absolutely. You don't know your son. Because I didn't know him in... Uh, Centimeters, I knew him in feet and inches. And uh, he said, oh, you had a terrible relationship with your son. You are always fighting. This is through Atkins. We were fighting. His friends testified to the contrary. So I get off the stand all upset. So after the six weeks, we had about five and a half days liberation with the jury. And after being out about a day, they came back and said, well, listen, they said, Your Honour, we can't reach a verdict. He said, you're kidding. Get back out and do your work. And uh, they got stuck in it again. And then on about... Day two or three, it would have been. They came back in and said, Look, Your Honour, can you give us a, uh, in layman's terms, the difference between murder and manslaughter? Okay. And the judge said, Yes, it is. It's easy. So it's, it's the intent part. With uh, with uh, murder, obviously, you, you intended to cause serious personal harm or kill the person. It's an interesting question, given that the defence didn't even offer up a, an alternative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That so way. With, with, and we all thought police included, well, that's, that's good. That's the way they're yeah. thinking. That's good. Mm. Okay, so. Um, off they go again, and, and then about another day and a half goes by, and they come back and say, "You're on. We still can't reach a verdict." They wanted to know what reasonable doubt was. I'm sorry, you're right. They said, "You're right. Can you define for us what's reasonable doubt?" And, and uh, he said, "Well, the High Court tells me I can't. Oh. Uh, it's what you think it is." You know, let's know. Within about half day of that, they came back with with an answer, oh. and they all walked in. And we're in there first. All they all marched in. They wouldn't look at us. No, no, no not Wouldn't look at us. Oh. And Atkins' counsel had gone to a new trial. He had he left as well. But his assistant was still there. Lister was still there, and uh, and she was with him, and. Um, they stood and uh, they announced not guilty uh, to murder and then not guilty to manslaughter. And uh, the look of horror and shock on the judge's face, mm-hmm. on his assistant's faces, one was actually tears in her eyes, yeah. um, the, and the most, uh, Atkins' uh, solicitor, oh, she had her mouth just dropped open. She was shocked as well. And he stood there. Not no, no emotion. Telling you always that because it wasn't at all. This is a from from left field. I say to face all the time too. Think back. What if we'd had a, uh, a guilty verdict? Mm-hmm. What would have happened? Probably still be in prison. Hopefully, mm-hmm. uh, would we have Matt back? Probably not. So our goal was to get Matt, but not not to get him. So in a way, that probably has helped us. Because what happened next? Uh, um, so you you got an acquittal, heartbreaking. Mm. But we still don't have Matt's remains, mm. and so you guys are still searching. And we still... stepped up by searching after okay. that. Okay, that got heated up, and also too, we had this one guy 
who, you know, he came, came out a few times looking with us. And a that, lot, no, a lot of his, like, he yeah, gave a lot of his time. Yeah, and that, then he got obsessive that, to the fact that every time I was home, he knew I was home, he was on the doorstep and wouldn't go. And he wanted to go out looking and going, no, no, no. Oh, well, I had a family I was helping down in Wollongong and I'm really pissed off because they, they stopped looking and all this. And we wanted to do it. In our way, our time, yeah. by ourselves. But this this chap was so committed to finding Matt and, and, and to get Atkins. He really wanted to get Atkins. Oh. We just, I, mean, I don't know. We just suspect maybe there's history between him and Atkins. It's got, he was gay too. Oh. So whether he was a, a past lover or they fought over somebody and he'd lost, I just don't know. But it appeared to be at history. That's, that's my best guess. Oh. Well, but, there's no evidence for that, but I just, that's, that's what I feel. But then he was playing with us. He came into uh, our office and he said he'd call the police. They'd found Matt down in the National Park, they'd call the dogs in. The dogs were going below. At that stage, I didn't know how the, the dogs reacted. The dogs yeah. reacted. He said they're barking. They've called in other other police. And that... So what do dogs do? They sit, they, they sit quietly. They sit, right. Yeah, they, they, they indicate that the body's there and then they just sit right. and they don't move. Oh, and so... We, I said, he looked at me and I said, well, have they found him or not? Don't play with me. He said, well, they've called in um, the detectives are coming down. They've mm-hmm. got the dogs down there and the forensics, that's right. And anyway, we get a call from the police. Thank God they knew us. He told that he'd set up the whole thing. Mm-hmm. It was a fake. He even bought a Matt, medic. But the wrong brand medic. And it was sitting near the grave. Oh no! And then he tried God. to t- then he tried to tell the police that he was working for us. Oh, and <laughs> oh, no! And then he's the one set up a false Facebook account in Atkins' name. He, he set up this fake Facebook account, and uh, on there was a confession. He made contact with Atkins' ex boyfriend, the one before Matt, and uh, confessed to what happened to Matt. So the boyfriend um, contacted me. Contacted- Arsene police. That Gary brings up all excited or can't tell you what's going on. There's a breakthrough. There's a breakthrough. Um, but it looks like we've got him now. We've got him. Sit tight. Sit tight. 12 months later, we get a phone call. Well, no, but before that, this, this breakthrough in, in, in tail police going overseas um, and um, uh, for a, a period and, and, and uh, getting details from another country and uh, where the boyfriend is. And um, Bringing him back finally they, they, they mm-hmm. came back to Australia and said, we can tell you now what's happened, what the breakthrough is. And we said, well, please, we're, we're in the car together. That's also hands-free in the car. And Gary was there with, one, with a police profiler and other psychologists. And um, they... They were on hands free, and so the force was talking. And Gary said, What well, we can see that there's been a confession on Facebook, on his page on Facebook. And we both said at the same time, But no, hang on, he hasn't got a Facebook page. And they said, Yes, he has. He said, No, no, he hasn't. And they said, Yes, and they quoted the name of that page. And, no, no, that's not, that's not him. That's that this other person that's been out, oh, out the Atkins. And then on the other end, they were just silent. Oh, no. Just silent. Because they'd brought the boyfriend out, unbeknownst oh, to us, no. gone up and set him up with that. Yeah. yeah. But only they trusted us enough to tell us because we could have helped. And then, the, but again, the plus was, didn't that piss them off? Mm-hmm. So they got more uh, motivated. Yeah. And then so oh, that led off the inquest starting in, in December 15 when that mm-hmm. kicked off. And December 2015? Yeah, yeah, that's right. The first time we have heard in detail about how Matthew Levison died. He's the young man who vanished more than a decade ago and whose body was only recovered when his lover struck a deal with police that gave him immunity. Today, the coroner heard what Michael Atkins told police. Now, he insists it wasn't murder, and he only dumped his boyfriend's body because he was ashamed. Melinda Nusifora reports. It was physically painful for the Levison family to hear. Mother Faye Levison sobbed and rocked in her chair as the coronial inquest into her son's death heard details of Matthew's final hours. Can you believe anything that that cretin says? He knows what happened to Matt. 
I don't believe what he said happened to Matt. Michael Atkins was the last person to see Matthew alive when the couple left a Sydney nightclub almost a decade ago. Last year, he told the coronial inquest he had nothing to do with his former boyfriend's disappearance and suggested Matthew could be in Thailand. But later, when he was granted immunity from prosecution, he agreed to tell police what happened and lead them to where he dumped the body. Homicide Chief Detective Gary Jubilin told the inquest today that Atkins gave evidence that Matthew died from a drug overdose. He said the pair had a fight at the nightclub and slept that night in separate rooms. He said when he woke up the next day, Matt was dead. He saw there was a bottle of drugs in the kitchen and assumed it caused Matt's death. Atkins says he waited for hours until it was dark, put the body in Matt's car, dug a shallow grave and buried it in bushland south of Sydney. He had concerns for his reputation. He was the older partner of a younger male. He had concerns of what people might think. He also said he didn't want his mother to know he was gay. The inquest also heard for the first time how Atkins led police to the gravesite. He was hypnotised twice to help him remember the exact location and was even allowed to drive Matt's car to help him retrace his steps. Detective Jubilant said police tried to create a relaxed environment to help Mr Atkins, one which was free from police pressure. He was also given a 70-kilogram mannequin to carry into the bush to reenact the crime. When asked if he thought Michael Atkins had help, Detective Jubilant answered no. I think he was acting alone, which means no one will ever be held legally responsible for Matthew's death. Melinda Newsafora, 10 Eyewitness News. The boys had their mobile phones, they're watching on, the mo- on their mobile phones um, Channel 7 and Channel 9 news of the police chopper following police cars through National Park. Yeah, could this be the search about letters of remains? And you know, we went down that afternoon and the crime scene search is on looking for that. Wow. Yeah, and Atkins, Atkins has been there. But the, the, with that induced statement, the most hurtful thing in that, he refers to Matt as it. Right I the buried it. it to get rid of the problem. Yeah, the no, problem. I hope the problem would go away. I hope the problem would go away by burying it. Mm. And every time he mentioned Matt, it was it. It, it, it. it. Now, this is somebody he loves so dearly and he's got a big void in his life. It's just... It took me five attempts to read that, that mm. statement. I just couldn't do it because um, every every word I'm reading, I'm just saying it's lies, it's lies, it's mm. lies. You know, it's just. Mm. We're in National Park digging the crime scene. On the second night of, the, of this dig, we had a little bit of rain, not much, a little bit. It may, because this, this site had been dug previously, that's what five months prior, six months prior. That it was a bit boggy, so um, the backhoe they were using on a steeper section, his wheel started spinning. It was under like it was going to tip over on, on the police, so they stopped him straight away and they couldn't get it out. So they brought in a commercial chap to get, get this backhoe out. The commercial guy was far less tree friendly than National Park staff. Um, and that was the telling point because on the last uh, on, on, on day eight again, the eighth we day, to pack up I was putting I was putting our chairs in the car and and uh, putting things away. And uh, the the commercial chap and the detective was with him. Let, let's pull that palm out and didn't think twice, and it came straight away. And they, and they pushed, pushed it aside. I just said the plane passing. That's a nice palm. Because they, st- they had to stop before he swung it around yeah, on, on the back. That's a nice shape palm. That's a, that's a lovely palm. It'll look good in the backyard. <laughs> and they put it down. They kept digging. And, and uh, within moments after that, they called across Gary Jubilant. And um, he's, he's the, the uh, chief, our, inspector. Uh, chief inspector. He was in charge of the investigation. And the next thing, Gary walked over and said, we've got him. We've oh, my God. Him. Mm. It was under that palm. It was un- I under that palm. It. And Matt actually fed that palm as he decomposed <laughs> over the years, and that's where he was. And a lot of people would be consumed by bitterness uh, after all, all of the experiences that you've had since uh, since Matt started a relationship with this guy. Really, yeah. how do you? I mean, are you? I guess is my first question, although I feel as though you're not, just having spent a few hours with you. And secondly, how are you not? How, how oh, I am. 
Oh, we can you consume with me. I don't show. I, I am. I, I'm not show. I wouldn't even dare. Yeah, okay. But if I did that or arranged to have it done, yeah. I'd be down at his level. The people, and then I'm you'd not, go to jail because, yes, yeah. And I'm not doing that. His life would be ruined. Yeah. yeah. That, and that's mm. people say it to Mark and I. If that was me, we would have had him. We would have killed him. Yeah. I had him killed. And I said, yeah, but that brings us down to his level. Then we've got to live with the fact that we've ruined each other's lives and our boys. We've got to think of our other two boys. Mm. I don't know if they, if we didn't have another two boys, would things have changed? Yeah. But we've got to think of them. I've, I've lost one son. Mm. I don't want to lose the other two. And they've lost a brother. They and they've lost a brother. You. And, yeah. and yeah. they've got their own way yeah. of coping and they, they, their lives have been ruined for life. Mm. You yeah. know, I mean, you I'm happy to stay on the podcast. You know, I've had, I've had offers. Mm. But people I, I, I don't even know and people I know have run me. It's look, this can be done. I said no, no, no. That, that's we, we want him alive because he knows where Matt is, and, and, and um, you know we're not going to come down that level. So, mm. but I've been serious. People offers to this. I said no, no, no. That, that's and thank I, you, but no. I think the difference is we've got consciences, mm. and I wouldn't be able to sleep at night. I'd be looking over my shoulder for the rest of my life. I wouldn't be able to operate. I mean, it's bad enough now. People say, "Oh, you're strong," in that we put on a mask. Mm. We put on a mask and we go out to the world. You know. And I can say that we go on holidays, yes, but when we go on holidays, I always feel guilty because we're having a good time. Matt wasn't afforded that. Mm. His life was cut short. I see his friends get married, have babies. Matt didn't get mm. any of that. And we're saying, what would we be doing now? You know, what would, that's what is, is my closing what would look like? Mm. Yeah, we, we are, How's work going? He plans holidays. Who knows what he's been doing right now? Um, he, looked, he looked at perhaps going to, going to the UK to do some work. That was in the last few weeks of his life. He was making inquiries there. But it, so it never happened. But even today, we went down to a little coffee shop down the road here and we walked in there. It's full of gay guys and they're sitting around talking, having breakfast. And you look at them and you think, that could have been Matt. You've got to face it. I mean, Matt wouldn't want us to be unhappy. He'd want us to live life, but at the same time as a mother, and you'd understand this, you'd give anything for your child. Yeah. You know, if I if I could have died instead of him, I would have. And actually, it's cruel because I shouldn't be here. I bet the odds. I was given 2%, 3% chance of survival 13 years ago. From major cancer. And I survived, and then 12 months later, God takes my son. You know, I've lived my life. God didn't take your son. You know, um, why wasn't it me? If I, if I could have died on that upper rain table just, and Matt could have stayed, I would have had it that way. So life is unfair, but you've got to make the best of it. And, and yeah, this is it's, an odd thing too. It's We try and look at the best out of every situation as well. And, and uh, um, because Matt's gone, um, we've met the most amazing people as well. We've made the most amazing friends who've become our dear friends and friends that we thought we'd have for life would stand by us after a couple of years. Oh, you should be over it. Move on. Or others and, that we thought were friends as well. They'd see us in the supermarket on the street and they'd change aisles across the road. It, it polarises uh, you. It really yeah. does. Yeah. And there's nothing you can say because it's unusual, but at least be there for the person. That's, that's the message. Just nothing you say can say makes better. Just presence. Just, just, just be there for the person. Mm, and uh, yeah. So uh, there's a lot that's gone, but uh, many more better friends, better new friends. Mm. We call that homicide friends. Homicide Yeah, a lot of our friends have lost somebody too. Mm. And, and you, you uh, can talk freely to mm. them. You can be yourselves. You can have jokes that people haven't been through what we've been through might think they're black jokes. Yes, they are black jokes. And they get it because yeah. they've been there. The beautiful large fern that Matt's remains were found under in the Royal National Park south of Sydney was replanted in Faye and Mark Levison's backyard where it's thriving in their loving care today. Thank you for downloading this episode of Australian True Crime. And of course, thank you to Mark and Faye Leveson for sharing their story. You can show them your support by liking their Justice for Matthew Leveson Facebook page. And of course, feel free to send them messages on our socials and we'll definitely pass them on. They're obviously beautiful people and they really do appreciate every bit of support they receive.
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. As promised, I am thrilled to announce that our tickets for Australian True Crime Live are now available. Join me in Sydney, Brisbane and or Melbourne this July. You can come to all three if you want. These tickets are expected to go very quickly, so be sure to secure yours by visiting the link in our podcast bio or you can head over to the Australian True Crime Facebook page. There'll be a nice link there for you. Update for Brisbane Australian True Crime fans. Brisbane is almost fully sold out for our live show. If you've been a listener for any length of time, you'll know how passionate I am about true crime stories from Australia. I'm looking very forward to an incredible evening together with you, sharing these captivating tales. We will have great guests as well, so, you know, we love a Q&A. If you've ever come along to an Australian true crime live gig, you'll know we love a Q&A with our guests. Don't miss out. Book your tickets today, and I'll see you in July for a memorable night out.